friends my name is joe bettner this is the eyes in oklahoma podcast jesse crittenden norman transcript sports editor is with me jesse how are you oh i am just swell joe joe b i'm I'm feeling very good right now great labor day weekend for for young sports senator jesse crittenden love to see it i keep forgetting it's labor day i genuinely keep on forgetting it's labor day weekend well there's no days off no days off the newspaper game yeah, so exactly. So, get it. Uh, but thank you for the reminder. Well, you all are here not to hear about Jesse's workload and all that, <laughs> but you're here to, you know, hear us to talk about, I guess, Oklahoma beating UTEP 45 to 13. And while that would be fun, there's a lot of things like around the game that I really want to talk to you about. But, you know, we should probably, we should probably talk about the game a little bit because. Okay. I don't think I'm disappointing anyone in saying this, but like, you know, for for all a lot of the fanfare and for a lot of the things that I think happened within like the first like eight minutes of the football game, where it kind of felt like Sam Bradford, Kevin Wilson offense was back, where OU was going to be going up twenty one zero. Like the last time Jesse that they went up twenty one zero in the first quarter was. 2020 against Missouri State last season just they just never had that like that big kind of like start that like kind of ignited everything and they had that this time around I'm I'm curious just like in that moment like I'm curious about what you made of just like how smooth it just seemed like it just seemed like the offense couldn't miss yeah certainly I think if you had told me I mean considering that OU finished the game with 45 points I think if you had told, I think if you had asked me after OU got to 21 in the first quarter, how much are they get ended up with? I would have probably said 60 or more at least. I mean, it just seemed like it was going to be uh, that type of game. I mean, I think, it, I think just as a, you know, as a reporter who's coming into the game and thinking, I mean, I've heard, you know, you've heard the same stuff I have the last few months, how, oh my gosh, this offense is so fast and oh my gosh, uh, Venable's, uh, and this new coaching staff has brought an intensity to the defense that just wasn't there. It was kind of wild to see, like, oh, it only took them 13 plays to score 21 points. Um, wow, this offense is going to be historically amazing. Um, obviously, they slowed down, and it wasn't a perfect game on either side of the ball, but offensively, they slowed down a little bit. But I think you did see clearly what this team is trying to do, and – I think, you know, at if they if everything comes together and if they peak at some point in the season, what this offense can be, even if it was against a, a team like Utah. I was going to say there was probably a lot of more good things to say than bad about this game when it comes to like what Oklahoma did on the field. But obviously there were a lot of penalties that could have been cleaned up. Uh, there were some there were some throws that I think Dylan Gabriel made that just kind of you, you kind of scratch your head, but you know, you, you move on. He, I mean, Dylan Gabriel, I thought had a, a solid debut, not, you know, 
wasn't light the light the world on fire or anything like that. It didn't feel, I think, quite like you know. I feel like Kyler Murray's first game, like it was kind of like this is this is really special. And I, I don't think that Dylan Gabriel. It's not to say that he couldn't be special. Just this is a guy that provides a lot of reliability in just terms of like he's played a lot of football. He, he knows what he's doing out there. Uh, the players even talked about like the the fact that just he knows this offense almost too well like compared to everyone else he's just trying to like go faster than i think anyone else can kind of catch on just because it's the the reps aren't there for everyone else so there were kind of i think there were times where it was very clear where things were out of sync for what are you know whatever myriad reasons but i think for the most part i i think you have to feel you know good going away you know you know coming out of that game with what dylan gabriel provides i mean they're are a lot worse situations to be in, like, you know, breaking in a, a red shirt freshman quarterback or anything like that, that this is a guy that just seems to kind of almost in that kind of steered, you know, kind of cliche way, just like a plug and play quarterback, but legitimately just his knowledge of the offense. Just so it, I just feel like it was very apparent from watching it on Saturday. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I think the thing for me coming into the game is if you're looking at, I mean, how, what is the best version of this offense? Um, I, I don't think it's going to be Dylan Gabriel being, um, you know, not like you said, not that he couldn't be as good as Baker Mayfield or, or Kyler Murray, but I think it's, I think it's reasonable not to expect that. What I think is reasonable is if he has a clear control over the tempo of this offense and getting everybody to stay on the same page and that being the primary way that the team uh, that the offense keeps people guessing, keeps people on their toes. And I think you saw, particularly in that first quarter, that uh, th- I mean, I think there's there are going to be some some things for them to work out in terms of yeah, I mean, it's okay to be you know fast as as possible, but you have to make sure everybody's ready, everybody's on the same page and prepared and that kind of stuff. Um, but I think you did see that that there is a pathway to you know, it's going to take a little bit of improvement, a little bit of time throughout the season. But if, if this team finds a real rhythm, it's going to be Dylan Gabriel at the controls, just moving everything very, very fast. And, and I'll say again, it's, it's UTEP hard to glean too much, but I, I would say there were moments during that first quarter that they were moving as fast as any offense I've seen in a long time. And that includes, uh, even the Lincoln Riley offenses, I, I thought um, it, it is clear that this offense is going to be really, really fast. Now I think it's about can you keep that same level of speed um, and focus on on quickness and no huddle and getting the ball snapped and that kind of stuff, versatility, running the ball a lot, passing the ball a lot. Can you keep all of that? Can you can you almost do it without going too fast? <laughs> almost, I think it's can, can you can you prevent going so fast that your offense sputters out of control and what, and what are you going to do when just like, I mean, there were two possessions in that second quarter where they went three and out. What's your response? What are you going to do when that tempo doesn't work right away? What are you going to do with, if you, when you run into an opponent that can handle that kind of speed, what's your backup? So again, it, it wasn't perfect. And I think there are some kinks that are still needed to be worked out, but I think there were some positives to take from the game. I feel like kind of going out of like just what we saw as far as like the tempo, like the closest thing I think I can think of is like 2000, well, 
I guess 2018 Kyler Murray was super quick and that was a kind of like what you're referencing with like this year's group and the potential. I mean, I think I do think that there is like almost uh, a lot of like reasonable concern to think that this offense might be too fast that like no matter how good a defense can be, it just you give the opposing offense more reps, more opportunities because you're scoring so quickly that, you know, it just, it can kind of hinder your defense, but you know, that was a big issue. I think with the 2018 team and that, like not ever finding that balance, but then, you know, you look back at like 2008 and like kind of when it was really like first introduced, like it was, it was quick for the time, but like, just not even, you know, they, they've perfected it. You know, we, we've had, you know, 12 years of doing this. So um, it, it's interesting kind of like seeing the, the kind of the evolution of what this, this is very, you know, very similar to those Baylor offenses that gave everyone trouble in the, like the early 2010s um, and just kind of seeing like Jeff Levy's like kind of touch and like how he calls it, um, which it's interesting having an offensive coordinator back in the, like the press box as well as Ted roof as well. Um, that, that's just kind of unique that the, the kind of the divvying up of the responsibilities of like who, who's on the field and who's up in the press box. But I thought Labby, I mean, for the most part, just scripted a really good uh, first quarter and kind of, you saw, you know, taper off in the second, uh, in the second quarter when things he had kind of did look a little bit, I don't want to say dicey um, by any means. Like you never really thought Oklahoma was in, you know, kind of in danger of losing control of the game, but um, UTEP, you know, has some guys, they, they made some plays and kind of took advantage of a defense that I think still has kind of, if, you know, to kind of transition to talking about that group, um, a lot of good things, a lot of positives. I think you, you look at a guy like Reggie Grimes, that's exactly what you want to see out of him. Uh, just Jesse, how impressed were you with him? Just kind of, you know, kind of what we've seen from him and his background. Like he hasn't been able to always put it together, but really just a strong showing and, you know, kind of week one for him. Yeah. I mean, especially because, you know, he was a big, he was a player that stepped up in a big way when Lincoln Riley and, and, you know, those coaches and and those, those players departed, you know, before the bowl game last season, he was a guy that kind of stepped up and, and took a big leadership role. And then during the off season, you've heard all about his impact. You know, he's, he's going to have a much bigger role on the defense. And I think it was cool that, you know, on that first drive, that first UTEP offensive drive, he commits that, that, uh, roughing the passer penalty uh, that gives them a first down. But not only does he respond from that, I mean, he he was in the backfield, I mean, causing chaos the entire game. And and if you just watched him on certain plays, again, everybody you know everybody could look good against you know a, a you know a UTEP team that's not going to be as good as your conference opponents, but. Uh, he and Ethan Downs in particular really were doing a pretty good job most of the game of um, of keeping keeping UTEP contained, not letting them get outside, and then uh, the pass rush uh, especially. Uh, I mean, Reggie Grimes finished with two and a half sacks. I honestly thought it was three and a half. Uh, me and a couple of the other beat reporters in the uh, in the press box were actually arguing the same thing. Um, so I should be an official stat keeper. Uh, I'm just throwing that out there. Um, you know, I'll do it, especially if it pays extra. It's fine. Um, but uh, he, he, I mean, Reggie Grimes really was great. And, and again, I think it's not about thinking, oh my gosh, you know, Oklahoma can win a national championship after week one, but you want to see some things that are real and tangible. 
And I think he was one of them. Uh, you know, I think he was one of the biggest keys to that game. And, and especially because the secondary had some issues. Uh, and I think it's clear that there's still some things they're going to need to work on. It might be more important now than, than almost it's ever been for this defense to have a shot at being good for that defensive line to really set the tone. And I think there's a good chance he and, and Ethan Downs can kind of lead the way and, um, and not only helping disrupt the run, but being a, a big part of pass defense by getting in the backfield and, 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 and you know, causing pressure. I was going to say, I was looking at a collegefootballdata.com. I've slowly, I feel like gotten more into like the, I gotten into advanced analytics, but just kind of like the advanced box scores. And I was looking at the defensive havoc that Oklahoma created. And this is just like a measurement of, I believe it's like the percentage of plays in which the defense generated a havoc event, which is like a tackle for loss, pass deflection or turnover. Oklahoma created havoc on 32% of its defensive snaps while UTEP created 15%. So just to clear, just in terms of just kind of looking at, you know, just in terms of production right there, Oklahoma's front seven was had a majority of creating that havoc on uh, more on that end. And obviously that kind of just goes back to just kind of how big of a day that they had, but Oklahoma just, you know, kind of defensively was just more steady and more sound. Like the fact that it kind of didn't get to a point where I think everyone kind of gets tense in the stadium. That is this going to be a repeat of last season where Oklahoma gets up big and then lets that lead slip away. And this was just, as uh, you know, and the thing I was going to say earlier, and I don't, I don't think I ever finished the thought, but like, I don't think I'm like offending anyone saying this, but it was kind of a boring game. It was a bit of a vanilla game, like the, the offensive game plan outside of the first quarter, which, you know, was, it, it was kind of nice. Jeff Levy was just like, you know, here's a few like, you know, deep balls to Marvin Mims to kind of, you know, tie everyone over, <laughs> you know, kind of get us through this game. But it's it was going to all, it always was going to be a very simple, you know, simplistic, you know, kind of vanilla offensive game plan. And same was going to go for the defense. They weren't going to, they weren't going to show like the very, like, you know, very signature, like Brent Venables, like exotic defense formations. That wasn't going to happen week one. So, just kind of a, a a bit of a like a boring game, but uh, you know you you saw it kind of it almost felt though like in just kind of how fast things were going in the first quarter and kind of slowed down a little bit. It, it kind of felt like you know is this team kind of falling asleep at the wheel here? But once again, Jesse, I don't know. Maybe it's just uh, I don't, I don't want to like draw too much from like a one game sample size, but like culture wise, you got to feel good coming out of game one that your team you know falls asleep a little bit in the second quarter and is able to kind of you know, recover from that and, you know, build, build back that lead. And, you know, 45, 13 is a, you'll, you'll take that on the, uh, you know, on the schedule any day of the week. So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, first of all, I didn't realize you were such a uh, advanced uh, stats. Nerd. <laughs> uh, I didn't, uh, it, you know, it, it, following people like to- Keegan Renault and like uh, Parker Fleming stats of war, like it, it may, like, it's just made me like, I, I have no, like when it first like started happening more and more, cause like, I'm a vibes guy. I'm a, I'm a, he's got that dog in him kind of guy. That, that, that's my value. That's my measuring stick. Uh, I, that, that's me, but it's well, you interesting. Need, you, need, you need to get your eyes off the spreadsheets. <laughs> All right. Get your eyes off the spreadsheets and out of the field, Joe. Okay. Football's not played with numbers. Okay. You're a Football's huge money ball guy. Tenacity. You are a huge money ball guy. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm a big money ball guy because. 
uh, it's you know it's the it's the first thing that helped me understand baseball. But you don't football and baseball are different sports. You know what I need to understand football set of eyes, set of eyes and a clear view of the field. And ideally, if I'm not working a a a, a Coors Light or a Bush Light in my hand, okay, I'm kidding. Um, all, all except for the last part. That that part's true. Uh, no, I think. I think the reality is that, uh, yeah, I think not everything was perfect about the game, and no one should try to, from Oklahoma's standpoint, and it's not reasonable to to try to act like everything was. But I think uh, not to not to shamelessly plug uh, my own writing, uh, but I'm gonna do it anyways. Uh, I, that was kind of what I wrote about yesterday. Was I think there was some benefit to. Uh, one, not only kind of having a boring non-conference game, uh, and, and it, that's not Kent State or that's not, you know, Western uh, whatever. Uh, you know, having, you know, like the two-lane game was far from boring last year. Um, but I think it was important not only to have a reasonable, you know, margin of victory in a conference or a non-conference game like UTEP, but two, I think it was okay to face a little bit of, you know, UTEP gets, you know, it's 21 to 10 and they have the ball in the second quarter. If they score even a field goal, the game feels like it's going to turn a little bit. And, you know, the OU defense gets a stop. And instead of trying to go pedal to the metal, uh, you know, the OU offense on the next possession, instead of trying to do that, they actually took a little bit of time with, they were a little bit more methodical down the field and scored. And I mean, and that's, that's it. The momentum's out of the game. Um, and I think that's important. I think that was one of the complaints again. And it, like you said, it's it's hard to take too much from a one game sample. But that was one of the complaint, complaints from last year, right? It's just that there weren't very many big leads to begin with uh, for Oklahoma, and any lead that they did have didn't really ever feel safe. Um, and yeah, and I think defensively, you know, again to to go along with your your with your nerd rant about advanced statistics. Um, you could tell that last time I talk about advanced statistics on this <laughs> podcast. So I'm, t- I, uh, I'm actually, I love advanced stats and all that stuff, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you could tell even to go along with, you know, with what you brought up, especially like how much havoc did the defense create? Um, I think you could see that again. I think there are some, some problems that, I mean, again, secondary while I think the UTEP quarterback and that passing attack, has real weapons and skill. Um, that is something to look at. But, I mean, you could tell, that, again, it, it's going to take some time, but the defense at its peak, if everything comes together, the identity is going to be uh, really fast um, and ca- I mean, and causing a lot of problems in the backfield. And that starts with the defensive line. And you saw the potential there. You saw the traits that, that those guys up front are going to have. Um, so, again, I think there's not really much to complain about. I mean, I guess you could say, I mean, if, if from a fan perspective, I guess you could say you wish that Oklahoma kept scoring every possession and won by a hundred, but you got to see a boring non-conference game with some real positive takeaways on both sides of the ball. And I, and to add to that, just, I mean, you kind of feel like you reestablish your culture to kind of, Talk about some off-field stuff. It was a pretty if you if you if this was your first time going to an OU football game, you should know that that is not how these usually go. It was so vastly different. I think if you kind of talk to people 
Um, I don't know if you felt this way. I, I mean, because especially like I, I know that like beat writers sometimes get there like four hours early, but like the common complaint I kept hearing was just like, man, it feels like traffic was heavier. It feels like everyone got here a lot sooner. Like it feels like the fans got to the stadium, like real quick. And it, it, there was never like, you know, 30 minutes before kickoff and you're like, well, is this going to fill out? But like it, it, it filled out really fast. And, you know, you had the walk of champions, which it seemed was like super well attended. I think those things are like, usually pretty well attended, but like this one felt even bigger for some reason. Um, you, you had them, you know, linked, linked, you know, side, you know, walking in like a one long line along the, you know, the width of the, the football field, like walking to kind of close out their pregame, you know, routine and whatnot. Uh, and then like swaying back and forth, locking arms, singing like the OU chant to end the game with like the marching band. Like it was just could not have been a more like almost just like this is an sec school now like like you know like got like the we we all kind of assumed that when brent venables was just like yeah we're going to get all of our players suits that that meant that like they were going to have to wear suits like coming off the bus and everything and like these might not seem like important things or like whatever but like it's a super huge like big difference from i think like what the program was a year ago where like you've you you've got photos of these guys and like they're you know whatever like they showed off coming off the bus and like it was just like who's got like the coolest outfit and now it's like this it's just it's such a weird difference like you know going from what was like a very i think kind of viewed as like a very like cool trendy kind of program to like what brent venables is like trying to kind of get back to like i think like what that fab fabric of like blue collar kind of like you know what was it like dirty work done in the dark or something like that yeah, uh, yeah. There's that, and iron sharpens iron, and and the and the uh, the popular one, the popular phrase, which I had not heard before yesterday, that was said by uh, at least Venables, Levy, and Danny Stutzman was uh, strip off the studs and, yeah. and build it back <laughs> up uh, after the win. You, gotta, you know, you can you can enjoy the win, but then you got to you got to strip it down at the studs and rebuild it. Uh, you know, I will, I will say that I think it's hard because everybody in the preseason is going to talk about how incredible everything is, right? Venables is amazing. And, uh, the players, everybody's performing well at every position and the staff's great. Offense is great. Blah, blah, blah. But I think there was kind of to see, like you mentioned, some of the, the pregame, uh, you know, the, the, <coughs> the arm and arm, uh, stuff, you know, they're, they're locking arms again and, and, and swaying at the end of the game uh, not to mention the fact that yeah i mean they they, they took care of business yesterday when things could have gotten dicey i almost think some of that stuff that is is almost corny but not in a bad way some of the phrases and stuff that they say i think it actually felt like it had a little bit more meaning after after the game and you could kind of see what not that you couldn't see what brent venables is doing but you can see clearly that he came in and while, yeah, it was important to install the defense and it was important for Jeff Levy to come in and install the offense that they're really, I mean, his emphasis on culture has been very, very real. And that he clearly saw that as a big thing. And that's whether that's like you mentioned, get, you know, getting everybody in suits or the walk of champions or getting everybody to understand the history of the program a little bit more. Uh, it's, I mean, he, he is kind of at his heart, a little bit of a traditionalist. 
And I think he's trying to balance that with understanding that this is a different era of college football. And so I think he's trying to balance those two things a little bit, you know, being traditional while being modern. But I think everything certainly did feel like it had a little bit of a different vibe yesterday. And I think after the game, everything made a little bit more sense and hit a little bit harder after seeing them actually on the field. Yeah. I think the thing that's probably helping him a ton right now is that I was kind of thinking about the offense and like who was kind of like the big, like high volume guys that coming out, coming out of uh, Saturday. And like, it was a lot of Marvin Mims, a lot of Eric Gray, um, you know, good amount of like Theo Weiss, uh, as they try to kind of get him back involved, Jalil Farouk, I felt like couldn't really get quite going, but had some nice, had some nice, uh, had some nice plays on Saturday. But just kind of looking around, just like Oklahoma has a huge benefit of having a lot of guys that I think probably get classified as like high character, kind of like you know Marvin Mims, like a very just like if, when you think about him, like just great in press uh, press conferences, just like really well spoken, just like. A lot of what Brent Venables, I think, is kind of like working toward culture-wise, is like being helped by the fact that he's got guys like Marvin Mims to be a leader, a Braden Willis to be a leader, um, Dylan Gabriel, who's you know has been super comfortable in assuming that role, despite have not even played at OU before Saturday. So a lot of good things, I think, going in Venables' way as far as just like trying to get that culture off the ground. And honestly, like you say, you know, it kind of comes off corny and it can be, you know, a little bit like, you know, just kind of what you think of when, (laughs) if you were a fan that maybe made fun of the way that Dabo did things at Clemson, uh, it it feels kind of in that wheelhouse, not this, not completely the same, but you know, like there were things that Brent Venables took from what Clemson did in building its national championship winning program and carried it over to OU like the sole mission. So like there's rhyme and reason, I think to kind of a lot of the things that he's doing. And you saw that in the in the locker room where Joe Castiglione's presenting Brent Venables with the game ball and, you know, players are, you know, like super happy for, for, for Brent. Um, players are super happy for Brent coming out of that. And, you know, you see Brent get choked up and you just, you, you, you do get a big, a bigger sense that like, this means a lot to a lot of those guys, or it means more, more to these guys than it felt like it did last year. And I don't think it's a bad, I don't think that's an indictment really on last year. It's just, that's what this program is choosing to emphasize more now than it did a year ago. No, absolutely. I think it's, I think Venables is trying to find that balance between, again, I I think, um, I I think when you, when it comes to the history of the program, uh, I think he's, I think he's trying to get that a little bit more uh, involved. I think he's, I think he's really trying to work on, uh, I mean, it's repetition. It's, it's especially with the phrases that he says and the intensity um, that he brought, you know, that he that he brings every day. I think the thing that he's really tried to do more than anything is bring consistency. And so I think yesterday was important for. I mean, because yeah, like you said, I mean, I, I mean, you can't really. I mean, Clemson, Clemson, Clemson is really interesting in that I think everybody now sees them as this team that's one of the top in college football, football but that just wasn't the case until like ten years ago. I mean, it really wasn't. Clemson just wasn't at the top. They weren't competing for titles. 
And so, yeah, it's a, it's getting it's recruiting really highly, and yeah, it's having consistency from a coaching standpoint. But it's there is, I think, culture is almost an overused word at times, and I think it can almost be oversold a little bit on importance. However, if you look at what Davos Sweeney did at Clemson with Brent Venables there, and what Brent what Brent Venables is trying to do here, you can connect the dots of what he's trying to do, and also framing it specifically from an Oklahoma standpoint instead of just trying to copy and paste what he did at Clemson. So, yeah, I think – and, again, I think the season opener was important to have a solid, if a little boring, kind of win because you also – like, while all of that stuff off the field is really important and and the culture that he's trying to bring, it's going to hit a little less hard if you don't have results. So I think it was important, especially for the players who were on the team last year, to have a season opener this year with no drama. And they took care of business. And you can see the impacts of what he's saying when it comes to culture off the field. You can see tangible impacts on the field with the intensity these players are playing at, with the focus these players are playing at. And yeah, of course, this is going to be something that we're going to have to see week by week to see if it continues. There is going to be real adversity that this team hits at some point, uh, especially in conference play. Heck, it could happen in Lincoln two weeks from now against Nebraska. But I think this season opener, I I think the reality is that the se- this season opener was more important than most season openers for a lot of reasons, not only in, in a getting a win, and getting a certain type of win, but also kicking off the Brent Venables era in a way that has been consistent with everything he has said over the last few months when it comes to building a culture there. And I think for the most part in all of those facets, Oklahoma was able to accomplish that. And I think that's a big deal. And I think that gives them something to build on moving forward. That was one of the big things that was probably had to be top of mind for this staff as they got closer and closer to week one when through July and into August, they have all of this recruiting success and that's great. It's good that you get all those commits and you soar into the top five of the recruiting rankings, but you hit a point where I'm sure it has to cross your mind. Like, I hope we win. Like, I hope like, you know, what we're selling as far as like, what we think this program is going to look like, you know, I hope that that, you know, comes to fruition. And, you know, when you don't have any games to go off of, it's very easy to sell a program because you're kind of basing it off of what you did at the last place. And what he did at the last place was obviously one of made him one of the best defensive coordinators in the country over the last decade and has been one of the best defensive coordinators, you know, since he was at Oklahoma, but, now you put it into action, you put it into a game and th- it's something we gloss over a little bit. And uh, just in terms of like talking about like the discipline, kind of the, just this kind of new culture at Oklahoma, Jesse, the, the team knows how to tackle now. I mean, maybe, maybe it's too, that maybe was, it's too that soon was a to big say, thing. maybe it's too soon, but like, that- <laughs> I was shocked. I was shocked. Jaden Davis, like, you know, I feel like he kind of had like a big day in terms of just like after the question was kind of asked of, of Brent was just, you know, like, you know, how are we, you know, why is Jaden in the starting lineup? And Jaden on Saturday was like, this is why I'm in the starting lineup. Like these guys are actually like hitting like they, uh, I, another advanced stat for you. Um, do you know how many yards that UTEP had, had recorded in the open field? Like how many, how many, 
how many times do you think that UTEP got 10 yards past the line of scrimmage and, and picked up yards? Man, I, I'm just not as much of a, you know, I, I haven't, I haven't dived into the numbers uh, quite, quite like you have Mr. Bender, but I, I can bet you have the answer. It's zero. UTEP had zero. zero, zero yards that were considered in the open field. It's a testament to Oklahoma tackling when a receiver catches the ball. It's not allowing yards after catch. It's not allowing for broken tackles to like, you know, make a three yard run turn into an eight yard run. Oklahoma, like I, I, once again, it's UTEP. And I think that that UTEP offensively has some good players. I mean, their, their quarterback, I, I will give like, that is a, that, that is a guy that I think could compete, um, you know, like if he, ha- if he's in a better situation, like, I-, I think that like, that's a fine quarterback, but uh, they- they've got some guys, but like, you know, it was never going to quite be anything that could, you know, keep up with, with what Oklahoma has defensively, even with like, you know, these are guys that have, you know, under a lot of them that have underperformed over under Alex Grinch. It just, it really does feel like they have kind of had a new lease on life in terms of just like getting a fresh start, a coaching staff with a fresh eye that it's, it's, I mean, it, it just felt different. Did it not? Yeah. I, I'd like to, you mentioned the tackling, which is so funny. I, I'd like to think that, I mean, cause while a lot of the players left the program, I year, there was still a lot that stayed over. I'd like to think that Brent Venables arrived in Norman and was watching a, film from last year and being like did like turn into some of the coaches and being like did, did these guys know that like tackling is good to to do like tackling is a fundamental part of the defense like did <laughs> productive these guys part forget? of any football program's yeah. preparation yeah like you have to tackle did these guys forget how to tackle um but yeah i again and and especially I, I almost again and I'm oh god I'm sounding like I'm I'm sounding like I'm I'm the most dramatic person in the world but I think and again not that everything was perfect because it wasn't but there were times during the game last not or yesterday that I thought I think this is what Alex Grinch was trying to do in terms of people, players like swarming to the ball and <laughs> And and being aggressive and really causing chaos and getting in the backfield like speed D, which was, you know, it looked great on a hashtag. Don't get me wrong, looked the great on a hashtag. Cool. The it, shirts look yeah, really hey, cool. Hey, it's really cool to say to speed D. It flows off the tongue really well, but you actually have to like not only be fast and have speed, but you have to like. You can't just run faster than everybody else. You have that has to. You have to use that speed to tackle. And I actually saw that last night. So that was, you know, again as a neutral, objective observer, like I am as a reporter, it was still neat to see some speed turn into good D. That was that was, you know, uh, from, a, from a pure football fundamental perspective yeah i i actually do think i had i had this thought that it, it, it's a very petty thing to be like Al like brent venables like oh you defense is what alex grinch thought his defense was and like <laughs> but i think at the same time like 
and this isn't really a knock on Lincoln because there's nothing you really can't take away. Like his offenses were elite. Like they were some of the like yeah. best offenses to ever, you know, like compete in college football. But I do think that like when you thought about what Lincoln's offense was like short of like the 2018 season, like I do think fans kind of got frustrated with the offense because it didn't quite look like pacing wise quite like those San Bradford teams. And I think that like, there may have been like some undeserved like frustration with like, just like the tempo, because I think that Lincoln kind of liked being methodical at times and like controlling the clock, like just wasn't always a, you know, for him, it wasn't always about like going, you know, super quick. And I think with, what Jeff Levy brings to Oklahoma, it's it's more akin to what Kevin Wilson and Kevin Sublin kind of got going with those, you know, Bradford era, you know, th- those those teams. And so it it really when you think about like Brent Venables like coming back to Oklahoma, it really does feel like he's he's bringing Oklahoma fans like kind of back to that time where like OU is, you know, at the top of you know, for, you know, I mean, they, they are, they, they kind of have been, you know, with just like making the playoffs of as often as they have been, but like that era from like 2000 to 2008, like, OU was just consistently in the national title conversation. It really feels like they're kind of getting back to that with kind of what staff and like, uh, you know, you know, philosophically, like, and schematically that like this, this program's about. Well, and, the re- and exactly right. And the reality is if you look at that 2000 or 2008, uh, stretch. I mean, obviously, I mean, they make the title game in in '03. Uh, they make it in '04. They make it in '08. Um, but the, not as much in '08. But I think the point still stands. They were able to do that. And obviously, I didn't even mention the 2000 national title. But um, it was because both sides of the ball were really contributing, and that was that's always been the thing, right? Is the defense? You know, the defense. Uh, these historical offenses under Lincoln Riley, again, you can't take that away from him. And he had great players, but the the dude can coach offensive football. But the the defense was so bad that it didn't matter how good Baker Mayfield was. It it really, it didn't matter how good Kyler Murray was. The the reality is for Oklahoma to, to, to break out of that, like where they, where they've been the last few years, where they peak as like the fourth best team, you know, to really break into that upper echelon top tier, it's going to have to be because both sides of the ball are really good. Cause we've seen what happens when an Oklahoma team is historically incredible offensively and really below average defensively. So it's not going to happen this year. Oklahoma is likely not going to win a national title, but what's important about this year is can you, get that standard back to those 2000s teams that really did have real moments where the defense was maybe as good as the offense or where there were games where the defense really kind of set the tone and led the way. And so again, it's going to take some time. You can't say, Oh, it's already back. The standards here. We're good. uh, After that UTEP win. But if you're an Oklahoma fan looking at this program, that's got to be the ultimate goal from this coaching staff is to get that standard back on both sides of the ball. Um, And you see, even just from a one game sample, you see what they're trying to do. And I think it was important from creating an identity aspect too, is how is this offense going to play? How does this defense want to play? 
And so, I mean, and I think in a lot of ways they accomplished that yesterday. But, but to be honest with you, Joe, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about the, the, the game, and that's great, you know, because I love football. Love football. But can we, can we talk about just apparently, how, you know, you were, you were in the crowd yesterday uh, at the game. Among the people. Like you were, yeah, and you are a man of the people. I've always said that. Um, but how does it feel to be uh, in the stands for, uh, you know, uh, to be in the stands as, as one of the worst uh, fan bases in college football? That's the thing <laughs> that I kept seeing yesterday. I was in the press box in air conditioning, and I was looking down at the, you know, at the peasants. You were one of them. Thinking, man, can't they just be better? That's what I was thinking yesterday. Your, your thought. We might have to find a new uh, co-host for uh, this segment, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it was extremely hot. And even if I think, you know, just hearing from everyone, like people, even in shaded areas, like it was still like just kind of sweltering. Like it was not a fun experience. And like, that was kind of the thing that I was thinking about with uh, kind of talking off air a little bit about the kind of the uproar about the student section for clearing out pretty quickly. Like, it was like well before halftime that like, it was like, all right, we're, we get it. Like we get the point. Um, we're going to go drink now. Um, and part of me is just like, yeah, like it really, it kind of sucks just kind of seeing, um, Oklahoma and what the culture around it is. And when you juxtapose it with that, it kind of just feels so out of place that like, and I, you know, it, it's one thing just like, for for me personally, I'm thinking about like the the fan in game experience. Like the way that we go to games is different than how you know everyone else in the stadium goes to the game. Like they're invested in it in a completely different way. And when you're a student, like it's just like, well, how do you make it worth their time to not leave at halftime? And I think that OU is like trying to figure that out with some of the hires that they made. Like they made a lot of like kind of like things you don't like really hear about unless you like really like follow like beat reporters and like will tweet out any press release that comes across their inbox but like they hired away like the the las vegas like golden knights is like director of entertainment to like lead their operation so like clearly like they understand that like the environment has to be better and there needs to be reason to stay um but as far as like saturday goes like I, I honestly don't blame anyone who left that game early. It was, it, it was as hot as like I can remember an Oklahoma football game being, but also like it was a boring game. Like it was well in hand. Like it, it really didn't quite clear out until the second half. And, you know, for culture reasons, you, you, you would love for everyone to stick around. That's just not based in reality. People just aren't going to do that. Like they don't do it at Alabama that, that, you know, like there, there's place, there's plenty of blue bloods that, you know, their stadiums clear out at the end. It's not an indictment on the program, but like when it comes to like, you know, Saturday and like what the student section was like, part of me like wants to give them a pass, but I do still think that, you know, it, it, it would, I guess like my, my thoughts on it are just like, it would be great where there's a reality where students feel compelled to stay for the entire time, which is maybe a way too political way of answering it. But, you know, so here, here's the thing. Let me, let me tell you why you're wrong. Uh, that's, that's how I'm going to come out. I'm going to tell you. Am I considering uh, too many feelings here? Am I being too yeah, empathetic on both ev- sides? <laughs> every, everything you said, just, just awful. So I'm kidding. Uh, no, I think 
at a very basic level. And and again, not that this is a it's not I think I think the thing that stuck out to me yesterday, and I probably should have prefaced this because I'm the one that brought it up, was I mean, it's it's not dialogue that hasn't happened before, right? With you know, wanting more buy-in from the fans that are there, especially from the students. You want more buy-in, you know, the university needs more buy-in. I've seen that before, but yesterday seemed different. And I think it honestly ties into what we were talking about earlier about how everything kind of felt a little differently. Yesterday, it felt like a more significant season opener than years past with it being Brent Venable's first year. Um, but I think... I think the main thing is that... Um, wait, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can still hear you. Okay, sorry. Uh, I'm on Zoom on my phone because my, uh, my other devices are awful and... It, it looked. I couldn't tell if you were just like really into what I was saying, or if you were frozen. No, I'm gonna I, say you were really into what I was saying. I was really enthralled in the dialogue. Cool, great. All right, yeah. just making sure. Continue. Uh, but no, I, I, um, I. Yesterday, the dialogue seemed a little bit different, and I actually, I mean, I think I saw dozens of people, um, on both sides of the argument, trying, you know, like more than normal, and that was the reason why I brought it up. Was you know. Yeah, I mean, of course, when they get to the SEC, you want more buy-in and all that stuff. At a very basic level, I understand that argument. I do. Um, you want the you want the stadium packed from beginning to end in every game. I completely understand that. I I'm also sympathetic to. Hey, I remember going to OU games uh, more as a fan when I was younger. Uh, I actually had a shirt that got ruined when I was in high school and I went to a game, it was an early September game, uh, it had Billy Sims's face on it. And this was when I was a fan before I became an objective journalist. Um, that my, my deodorant melted through my shirt and ruined it. And that was terrible. I hated that. Um, I have seen a couple of people pass out in the stands before because it's so hot. Um, it's not fun. It's kind of a scary thing to see. Um, so, I mean, I think there is something to, you want to be comfortable when you're watching a game and if you can watch a game from the comfort of your home with air conditioning and you don't have to pay a bunch of money for drinks and all that stuff, that's really what you're competing with is giving people incentive to not only come to the games, but stay. And the reality is as great as football is and as successful as OU has been for a long time, especially now things are just different and it's not enough to just say, you should feel obligated to stay regardless of how hot it is, regardless of what the circumstances are, you should stay the entire game. It's just not that simple. So I think, like you said, not trying to be super political from a, I see both sides type of perspective, but I, there is kind of a friction there. And while I don't, I'm not trying to insinuate the dialogue yesterday is a big deal and it's going to be a huge, huge issue. Oh, it's I a do, very unimportant I, thing. <laughs> It is. I'll, I'll just say actually, that. No, it is. But I actually think it's something that potentially could kind of be a nagging thing that continues, especially with Brent Minimals being here with the move coming to the SEC. I think it's going to be something we hear about a lot. There's going to be a, I think there is going to be a dialogue that kind of happens every game when that, you know, if that happens. So I don't know. I was more entertained by everything more than anything yesterday um, to see like, I don't know. There are people who are really offended uh, when people leave early. And there are also people who are like, hey, I just 
you know, I came to the game for a little bit, and that was cool, but they were playing UTEP, and OU was clearly going to win the game, and I wanted to go home. <laughs> the, dialogue, Listen, the dialogue was interesting. <laughs> I, I get, like, I, I want to be very clear. I, I prefer the fact that, like, we can go out to sporting events. We can go to restaurants. Yeah, I, I'm glad that we're in, in a space where, like, we we can do that. But yeah. I cannot emphasize how much I love being at my house. It's my number one place I want to be at, and so it's like it's hard for me. But I do get from like a culture standpoint. Yeah, you want it to be better. The tailgating, I, I want to I wanted to touch on a little bit because, like, man, it it continues to just feel so lousy. Like, and like, it's one of those things where I'm once again, I'm not like trying to both sides it, but like, I kind of get it from both sides. Like Oklahoma is trying to make a buck. Um, and clearly people are willing to pay that buck. Um, or, you know, some people and corporations, uh, but you know, for the most part, it's just like, it's one of those things where like, can we, can we meet halfway somewhere? Like, can we, can we figure out a way to get, like get Lindsay street like back? And like, I know, but like, a lot of it, uh, the complaint is like the, the call, like it's just too close to the dorms, which like, yeah, like I, I can kind of see like why it would like, I don't know like what restriction around that would be, but it would be kind of weird. Like wake up in your dorm room and like outside of it is just like a bunch of strangers you don't know, drinking and like grilling, you know, hamburgers at 8am. But you know, regardless, it's just like, you want that culture to be back. You want that like atmosphere to be back because like when you do get to the sec, like so much of your perception is built around, like, what is your experience like? And like, I think that a team like LSU, it does not matter how good or bad LSU is. Their home game experience is one of the best in college football. Like you can always just, you know, you you go into Baton Rouge, you know, you're going to be in a dogfight. And like the same kind of goes with Tennessee, like, Oh, you goes to Tennessee back in 2015, Tennessee is not anywhere near, you know, the Tennessee teams of, you know, kind of glory, like, but that's just an incredibly tough place to play because there is culture there. And I think that Oklahoma has its culture and it's like being kind of, I think reestablished because I think the administration cares more about that culture, more about that tradition, enforcing like those like quote unquote, OU values and Brent Venables is kind of the perfect guy with, you know, in, in conjunction with, you know, that turnip seed and, uh, you know, having coaches like Miguel Chavis and Todd Bates and, you know, a guy like Ted roof, who is, you know, him, Ted roof and like Jeff Levy, like easily, I feel like could be like kind of motivational speakers in the way that they, they like talk and like kind of articulate their thoughts about things. Like it's really just kind of such an interesting staff that Oklahoma has and like, placing that emphasis back on culture and tradition is just, it's better for Oklahoma. And, you know, whether you, you know, whatever side you fall on, like you you hope that one day it can kind of get resolved because I don't feel like you can continue doing it this way. Like the the way that you're kind of going, because you're going to get left behind when you get to the sec or maybe just the university doesn't care. That honestly might just be the case. You know, I, I agree with you, but you know, you know what my, you know what my culture is. You know, you know what, you know what I want to see. Why can't we all just crack open a beer, have a good time? You know, you know what I mean. Why, why can't, why can't both sides of this issue just, just come together and, and enjoy a nice Bush Light? You know, this pod, this podcast brought to you by Bush Light. Um, you know, that's that's how I feel about things. Why can't we just crack open a cold? You Jesse. Know? Uh... 
Jesse, if you're, if you're unaware is, uh, from small town, Oklahoma and not, not that there's anything wrong with it, but just Jesse's become more of a refined city boy, but sometimes the, the small town, Oklahoma boy comes out. Hey, you can, Hey, I, if I learned anything from growing up in Stillwell, America, Stillwell, Oklahoma, there ain't not, there ain't near a problem that can't be solved, uh, by cracking open a, a cold one. There's, it was. I will say with like the heat on Saturday, it was a horrific day, a horrific day to be a beer. It was a horrible day to be a beer Saturday with just how hot it was. Yeah. Condensation warmth of the, of a human hand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I feel for it. I feel for it. Uh, Yeah. I feel for beer in that, in that scenario. I do, but no, I I get it. But I, and I, and I think there are some things are going to have to do better, but um, overall, you know, I think we do have to understand that, it's okay to want things to be better. It's okay to want fans to have buy-in. It's also okay to say, Hey, I have to dirt. I'm not going to stay just out of some obligation. I need to be incentivized at least a little bit. So uh, that's how, you know, that's how I come out. That's how that's I, wrong, that's how that's I what's wrong out. with your culture, Jesse. It's just, you know, it's gotta be about me. What's in it for me. That's what I, I'm trying to eradicate. It would, you know what, but I don't like that we're trying to eradicate it, which goes back to the very thing I feel in the first place. It's all about me. Well, one one thing I hope that isn't eradicated and implemented into Brent Venables' culture is I want to talk about some big plays and the, probably the biggest play uh, of the day, or at least in my opinion, was the fact that Gavin Freeman, of all people, uh, on this football team, the, the walk-on true freshman from Heritage Hall, scores on a reverse the 40 i think 46 yard reverse um made an incredible like spin move to get around two utep defenders just really just an incredible run altogether like kind of felt almost like almost like a pinball a little bit just he, he's very small is what i'm kind of getting <laughs> he's just like he like compared to the rest like he he looks like a guy that would play at like k-state or texas tech and be the bane of existence to so many ou fans it's a, that's what he looks like to me but he is actually on oklahoma's roster no i i think it's funny because uh yeah i mean he he doesn't look like a prototypical uh like huge impact skill player um, but I think, uh, and he doesn't, he doesn't have the, and he, doesn't, he doesn't really have the story for it either. I mean, yeah, he's, he's a walk on, you know, uh, freshman that, you know, has really fought hard for his position here, uh, at, at Oklahoma. And, um, I think it was really cool. I mean, it, it's a great story to see. I mean, obviously his dad, uh, being an OU alum, uh, being a tight end, you know, in, in the late nineties, um, all that's, I mean, he was a Texas tech recruit backed out to come to Oklahoma. All that stuff is really cool. But I think, I think there is something to be said for, I mean, during the, during the preseason, he was a guy that made an impact. He was a guy that, that more than one of his teammates said, Hey, I mean, kind of look out for this guy. I mean, I think he's a guy that could really have an impact. And I think I said before the season that, I mean, I, I didn't, fors- I don't, I didn't and still don't foresee him to have a, a huge role. Um, but I think he is a guy that could come in some games and kind of have a couple of impact plays. Um, I think he works really hard. Uh, and I think because he kind of has that walk on mindset and of kind of having to fight, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have a very big frame. He's not physically intimidating. 
Um, but I mean, you saw how hard he runs with the ball. And I think, I think it's hard not to root for guys like that. Um, but I think he's not, I I don't think he's just going to be a, this is going to be a feel good story and that's it. I think we could get to the end of the year and we could look at him as like a, Hey, he, he had a few games where he made a couple of really big plays, even if it's in limited reps. Um, so, I mean, I, and, and I think you could kind of see that in the preseason. And again, I think it's hard to kind of decipher all of the preseason talking points and stuff. Cause everybody's going to be, uh, you know, on cloud nine, but I think he is a guy. I was surprised that he scored on his first touch from 46 yards out, but I'm not surprised from what I saw in open practices that he is a guy that is capable of, of kind of making big plays like that in short bursts. I was going to say he uh, really just like of all the guys we've like really heard about uh, through the preseason, just the guys that the, the young guys, I should say that could make a big impact. Like it was, I mean, it was really just him. I feel like as far as just like kind of freshmen go, like there weren't, there weren't really not that I can think off the top of my head, any like big plays, like I know Javante Barnes had the fumble um, uh, there late. Uh, but you know, kind of on the defensive side of the ball, like, you know, not a ton. I mean, Jared Kanaka got into the game. Um, you, you saw a little bit like, you know, our Mason Thomas get in, um, but kind of on the defensive side of the ball, you know, really just kind of big days from, you know, we've heard so much about how good Danny Stutzman is. Billy Bowman both have nine tackles to, to lead the team. Um, just overall, just kind of a, a, kind of the day you kind of expect, you know, Marvin Mims has, you know, a few, you know, kind of big catches. And uh, then there's Braden Willis who very experienced at that tight end position. Seems like he's moving pretty well, really good, you know, kind of just seems like he knows where he needs to be. And it's just big and imposing. And it's kind of a, a guy that you, you don't like, he's kind of stinky athletic in that way. It just has had as big as he is. So overall, just kind of like what you expected, just Gavin Freeman just kind of felt like the, the, outlier in terms of like he was one of the young guys that actually kind of made like a made, made a big time play and kind of almost like a feels like could be you know kind of like you said like i feel like you're gonna look at the end of the year and be like oh gavin freeman like he probably helped OU like turn a few like momentum like turn momentum a few times for oklahoma just whatever he's able to do because he's just kind of a, da- a dynamic playmaker and a l- little bit just kind of almost a, almost like in a drake stoops kind of way just like yeah, he gets yeah. When he gets the ball, it's going to be yeah, like a okay. meaning. Like there, there's going to be like a reason. Like he's getting the ball. Like there, there, there's not too many like targets that Drake Stoops get that oh you really waste. Like when they when they want to use Drake Stoops, they they usually like are able to execute. And I feel like Gavin Freeman could kind of be that guy. No, it's funny you said Drake Stoops because he was kind of the name I had in mind too. Which uh, Drake Stoops is. I mean, he caught two passes on the first two drives. That uh, I think it was the first two drives that. And I thought he was going to finish with a with a huge day, but uh, I mean, I, I think it's I think Drake Stoops is another guy that um, I I think this offense would benefit from getting him a little bit more involved than they have historically, and 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 no, I'm not saying he's I'm not saying he's a, he's ever going to be a 100 catches you know 1500 yards kind of receiver, but it seems like good things happen almost every time he touches the ball, and. So I'm curious to see in yes in yesterday it's hard to take too much from you know who are the who are the, the biggest playmakers gonna be. I mean, outside of the obvious ones. 
But, you know, I think Braden Willis is a guy that could, like you mentioned, could really have a big impact this year. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, like, you know, outside of Marvin Mims, I mean, it, I'm curious who the number two and number three receivers ends up, end up being. I mean, it, does Jalil Farouk get in there or does Drake Stoops see a bigger role this year? Uh, you know, I think last from what we saw last night, I don't think – or yesterday, I don't think there's going to be a, a – a huge number one receiver and everybody else is way below it. I think everybody is going to get a little bit of touches because of how fast this offense is. However, I, I think, I think it would behoove this offense to, you know, spread the ball around and make sure everybody kind of, kind of gets involved. And um, I think, so I think there are going to be games like Braden Willis had last night where he scores twice. Maybe there's a game, maybe it's, Nebraska, where Theo Weiss kind of goes off. Maybe it's a different guy, another game. I actually think that's going to be a, what more of this offense is going to look like. Is it might be somebody that somebody different each game that kind of has that big impact. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, you just have so many weapons. It's going to be fairly easy to kind of distribute those targets and those just kind of uh, the kind of the you know which games you know players are going to be kind of the focal point of the offense and I feel like it's going to change week to week just because Oklahoma it might not be guys that necessarily are known throughout the Big 12 or you know even on a national level but like I think that this, you know, team for what is there and what what is transferred in is pretty deep as far as just skill talent goes. You've just got a lot of options, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And like, you know, Dylan Gabriel, I think he only had like twenty three passing attempts, but the offense only had twenty one minutes possession. I mean, UTEP completely just like in favor of them just just had the ball more often um the offense just played with such speed like it just you know not you're not going to be able to kind of reach those typical like jeff levy like you know that 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 volume that he usually like can get out of his players in a, in a single game so i mean it's faster and it, it, it it's really fun when it's kind of getting going and like you, you really start thinking like you know when when is it going to stop and uh, obviously you know they got derailed a little bit in the second quarter as we talked about but um overall Jesse, really, I think a terrific opener for Oklahoma going to Kent State, 6 p.m. on Saturday on ESPN Plus, and should be, I would assume, a similar story going into that game. But uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of uh, kind of what you expected, but I think probably for a lot of OU fans, just kind of what you expected is probably just all right with you all. I think, yeah, especially after I think how up and down last year was. I think as expected, games are. You know, I think the fan base can expect that or it can appreciate that. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, but now it's about building. Right. That's that's going to be the main thing is they, they they laid some foundations. Now, can they build on it? And, you know, next weekend, you know, there will be some things to look at. But I think, you know, especially going to Nebraska two weeks from now, do you see that progressing? So, you know, only time will tell, Mr. Bettner. I'm looking forward to it. Jesse, uh, this has been fun. We appreciate all of you for listening to the Eyes on Oklahoma podcast, available on all major podcast platforms. We would uh, appreciate it if you left us a five-star rating and review if you use that Apple podcast app. It helps get the word out about the show. Until next week, for Jesse Crittenden, my name is Joe Benner. And I also should say, go go subscribe to the Norman Transcript, normantranscript.com slash subscribe. Follow Jesse's work. Follow him on Twitter. All that is in the show notes. For Jesse Crittenden, my name.
is Joe Bender. We will catch you next time.